wearing a boot. I'm not breaking doctor's orders. I'm being a good boy, but they told me once I can move it, I could take it off, and so I'm feeling better, and all I ask is that you don't step on my foot. Amen? John chapter number four, John chapter four, and uh, really, really uh, looking forward to today. I can tell some of you are just kind of like this, because it's rainy, and you're like, why is it, what is, it's like, welcome to New Heights Baptist Church in Seattle, Colorado. I I can tell some of you are having a hard time with this whole rain thing. Uh, It's liquid that God sends directly from the sky for our good. Think of it that way, all right? Uh, John, brother Stephen, it comes from Florida, he's like, I don't get the problem at all. I'm like, no, no. This is normal for you, not for us, man. Uh, Ten years or so of drought, and I was just telling my wife yesterday, for anyone who grew up here in Colorado in the 90s, raise your hand if you grew up here in Colorado, ain't nothing but a, okay, no, no, not, all right, so if you grew up here in Colorado in the 90s, um, you would probably remember summers being more like this. Anybody remember that? I remember that. I don't, I don't remember like 110 degree days, you know, like we've had the last couple of years. So uh, let's enjoy it. Take advantage of it. Uh, someone asked me, they said, Pastor, we still doing the ice cream fellowship. I said, we're Baptists. We're going to find a way to eat. <laughs> so it won't be outside like normal. We're going to have it downstairs uh, after the morning service, really for two reasons. One, uh, to raise money for summer camp. Two, uh, to celebrate with uh, those that are graduating this year and uh, moving on to next steps in their life. So uh, John chapter 4, let's start reading in verse number uh, 15, verse 16 rather. Jesus saith unto her, go, call thy husband and come hither. I could just see like the look on her face whenever, I was talking about living water, and how do I get this water? You've got nothing to get the, you have nothing to draw the water with. He's like, okay, so go get your husband. She's like, well, about that. Uh, look at the next, let me just say this, God, you only go so far in your Christian life without allowing the Lord to deal with the specific issues in your life. You will only go so far. You know why so many Christians are shallow? Because it's like, all right, Lord, you start, once the Lord deals with this subject, it's like hands off. And when you get to that place in the Christian life, you just cannot grow any further. All right, uh, and we've got a, a new role here, coffee connoisseur at New Heights Baptist Church. Uh, in, co- well, coffee, coffee intern, second year Bible student, all right? Uh, so uh, look, if you would, at verse number 17. The woman answered and said, I have no husband. You know what that is? That's a half-truth. Let me ask you a question. What's a half-truth? It's a lie. So she's like, I don't have a husband. He's like, well, you know, you're kind of right, but you're kind of lying. Uh, look what he says here. Jesus said unto her, Thou hast well said, I have no husband. <laughs> I just, I, you ever wish you could just have a camera on certain things? You know, like, yeah, you're right. You're right. And she's like, whoo, dodged a bullet with that. You've got five. She's like, mm. I mean, look at verse number 18. For thou hast had five husbands, and he whom thou now hast is not thy husband. And that sayest thou truly. The woman said to him, Sir, I perceive that thou art a prophet. I guess you would think that, right? Uh, our fathers worshipped in this. Now, now notice this. As soon as the Lord deals with her sin, what does she do? Uh, so our fathers worshipped in this mountain, and you say we should worship in that mountain. You don't learn about it's human nature. Even after you get saved, you have that. People come to church, and they'll get under conviction, and you know what they'll do? Instead of reaching and in, going inward with what's going on, they'll lash out at people. When you find yourself lashing out, go and kind of figure out, why am I doing this? Is, is there any element, is there something that I'm, I'm just, I don't want to deal with, I don't want to address, and instead of addressing it, I'm lashing out other people. Anybody know what I'm talking about? You ever, ever been there yourself? Ever been on, I know this. If I ask you, have you ever been on the receiving end of someone lashing out? All right, who's lashed out? Well, you know, yeah, yeah, amen. All right, uh, n- notice what happens here. Verse number uh, 20, our fathers worshiped in this mountain. You say that in Jerusalem is the place where men ought to worship. Jesus said unto her, Woman, believe me, the hour cometh when you shall neither in this mountain nor yet at Jerusalem worship the Father. Ye worship, you know not what. We know what we worship, for salvation is of the Jews. It's a very, very uh, uh, central verse in your Bible that, that shows that without the nation of Israel, you don't have salvation for mankind. Uh, and let me say this as well. Um, uh, this is not an endorsement of Israeli government, foreign policy, or any of that stuff. People get all mixed up in politically. But uh, what I'll say is this. Uh, Israel is still God's chosen people. And when nations turn on Israel, God turns on them. Uh, so you, if you want to pray for anything with the next political cycle that's coming up and all that hubbub is going to go on, 
Uh, if you're smart, what you'll pray for is for God to have mercy in our nation. And secondly, God, please give us leaders that won't turn their back on Israel. Because uh, uh, once that happens, man, Katie bar the door, the wheels fall off. Look at verse 23. But the hour cometh and now is when the true worshiper shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth. He's trying to get her to understand it's not about all this external stuff. It's not about the mountain. It's not about the location. It's not about uh, the well and who founded the well and who built this thing here. It's deeper than that. Uh, look, if you would, at verse number uh, 23. Uh, for the Father seek at the end of the verse, for the Father seeketh such to worship Him. To worship Him how? In spirit and in truth. Verse 24, God is a spirit, and they that worship Him must worship Him in spirit and in truth. The woman said to Him, I know that Messiah cometh which is called Christ, when he has come, he will tell us all things. I like this last part in verse 26. Jesus said to her, I that speaking to thee am he. Amen. Let's, let's ask God's blessing. Father, we thank you for the morning. Thank you for the opportunity to be here. Lord, thank you for shelter. And we are thankful for the rain. We are thankful for the moisture and the cool weather. It'll be warm enough uh, before we know it, and we'll be wanting cool weather. So, Lord, we want to be grateful this morning for what we have. Um, but uh, we are also thankful for shelter that keeps us dry. And uh, thankful, Lord, for climate-controlled buildings, and thankful for electricity to turn the lights on, and thankful, Lord, just for your goodness on our church and the people that have gotten saved and the people that, are bit, that have been discipled and those that are going to be discipled. And, Lord, all that you're doing here, and, Lord, I just pray for the Holy Spirit of God to move this morning to work in every believer's heart and mind. Lord, I do pray if anyone comes that isn't saved, Lord, we all pray in unity that today would be the day of their salvation. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Let me just say this, uh, you, you cannot have a conversion, you cannot have repentance without truth. Now I'm going to address what repentance is in a moment, because I think a lot of, a lot of preachers uh, will talk about repentance in, in, a, in a certain light, which is simply this, if you don't quit all your bad. Well, let me, let me, I'd like to meet someone that's quit all their bad. Can someone please introduce me someone that's quit all their bad? I've never met that person. Uh, even after you get saved, because you've got the war that's going on inside of you between the flesh and the spirit. That doesn't just go away after salvation. Uh, we'll talk about what repentance is, but let me just say this. You cannot have it without truth. All right. Uh, so, so basically, l- let me show you something. L- look at 1 Corinthians chapter 14 real quickly. 1 Corinthians chapter 14. Now, why does Jesus tell her, go get your husband? Why does he do that? I started talking about some things Wednesday night, and I can tell you, it gets real frosty real fast when you hit certain buttons, certain, certain issues in modern pop culture. Uh, the idea of authority is still a biblical idea. And uh, the, it is the spirit of Absalom that pushes, uh, pushes against authority. And you know how Absalom ends up. You know how God looks at that. You know how Lucifer ends up. You know how God looks at that. Uh, God has put authority in government. God has put authority in the family. God has put authority uh, in, in the church. And you know what everyone wants to buck against? Authority, authority, authority. I don't want it. I don't need it. I can be my own authority. Uh, and uh, God's not a real fan of that. You say, why? Because it reminds him of someone that went against him. And uh, what, what you see here in the scripture is Jesus trying to follow scriptural authority. You say, what is it? I'm talking to this woman about some deep matters. And we're talking about some deep matters. And some of them are even relational in nature. So I'm going to say, hey, go, go call your husband. And so look at 1 Corinthians chapter 14, and this is not to say, ladies, that you cannot say amen at church or anything like that. The context of 1 Corinthians chapter 14, by the way, is the speaking in tongues. Uh, and by the way, that's not a it's not a, a prayer language or some kind of mystical language. That, no, it's, it's earthly languages that people can understand, and it, it was done in one of two ways. It was another tongue. Uh, whenever a, a preacher would speak in another tongue that was not familiar to, or that was uh, not familiar to the audience, and it was also called unknown tongues. Whenever the preacher would get up and speak in what he thought was his language, and it comes out in a different language, and it's a miracle. That's what God does in Acts two. But it's never some babble type of thing. You understand that, right? All right. Look at First uh, Corinthians chapter fourteen. Look if you would at verse number uh, thirty-four. Let your women keep silence in the churches. That does not mean you can't say amen. It does not mean you can't say hi and greet the brethren. We're inside church. I can't talk to you. That's not what that is. It's not what that is. I want to be very clear about that. Um, but, but, but there is an element of speaking here in regards to authority. And, and this is the reason why, uh, you know, uh, I've had people come and go, why aren't there any women preachers here? And I said, well, because there were none in the Bible. 
Now, when it comes to women preaching the gospel to other people, God has no problem with that. Every person, man, woman, uh, boy, girl, everyone that's a born-again believer can preach the gospel. There's nothing wrong with that. But the, the office of a bishop, the office of a pastor, and ministering to the flock, and having a position of authority whereby you are teaching the word of God in regards to mixed company, men and women, that is not something that women do in the Bible. I know that's not popular, and I don't care. I recognize that when you say certain things, because it's kind of what he's going to say. He's going to say something anti-feminist. He's going to say something misogynist. He's a sexist. He's a, what? Listen, I, I'll tell you what. Follow me around a little bit. You'll understand. I treat my wife and my, my girls very, very well. I like to spoil them. I like to take care of them. You say, why? Because God's given me the ability to do that. I like to protect them. Why? Because that's the role that a man's supposed to be in. All right, there's nothing wrong with that. And by the way, women, you can't have it both ways. You can't say, I'm independent, I don't need a man. And then when men act like jerks and like animals, because that's basically what you turn them into, that you complain about it. I, you know, some poor lady saw me, you know, doing this kind of number yesterday. You know, I'm after a David on your feet, you know, this thing hurts a little bit. And she opens the door for me. I said, ma'am, I said, I'd rather die a thousand deaths, ladies first. And she goes, okay, thank you very much, you know. Uh, but but, but the, the point is this, when it comes to, to these matters, understand this, it is not that a man is more important than a woman. You, you, you know, don't, don't go to that extreme. That's not what we're saying. As a matter of fact, let me say this. The women got something out of Jesus Christ's ministry oftentimes more than the men did. They were more perceptive of things. And ladies, you have a way of perceiving things sometimes that blows my mind. My wife will go, did you hear that? I'm like, meh. <laughs> hear what, you know? Did you see the way that she said them? I don't know. I don't know. I didn't see anything, you know. And, you know, I, I remember we first got married early on, you know, go to a store. And Lacey's like, that girl's flirting with you. <laughs> now I'm old and fat and I have white hair. She didn't ever accuse me of that anymore, you know. But, but, but you know, some, some girl, that girl, was, did you see the way she, I'm like, I didn't see anything. Women pick up on things. And when you look at the ministry of Jesus Christ, who is it that breaks the alabaster box of ointment? Is it a man or a woman? Who is it that comes to anoint his body at his, at his uh, uh, death at the third day when he's about to rise from the dead? Who is it that's going to do that? The women. So this is not to say that men are more, this is not about that. And, and I think what I, I could not get across Wednesday night, I don't know that I did a really good job of it, but it's not meant to be a competition. We are meant to complement each other. We have strengths and we have weaknesses, and God complements the one with the other. But ladies, let me tell you this, it's not your job, it's not your position to run things in a church. The reason why you see that so much in the modern church is because the men are sitting back like a bunch of uh, uh, boys. They got Peter Pan syndrome. They'd rather play PlayStation than get off their duff and do something for God. I recognize that. And oftentimes, that's why women have to step in. I get that. But ladies, let me say this right now. There's something in you. Let's be honest about it. And, and if I was in your shoes, I'd have the same problem. You know what we all have a problem with? Authority. You know what's hard for me to do? It's hard for me to follow Jesus Christ. Can I say this? And he's perfect. Ladies, you got a harder job than that. Then yeah. <laughs> Anita, yes. <laughs> yes. Hands up, you know. <laughs> Bring some anointing oil in here or something, you know. She's, Woo, you got it, preacher. It's hard. Um, it, it's, you have to follow an imperfect authority. I, I recognize that. But, but let me say this, ladies. Let me say this. When you do it with the right spirit, you realize you're actually just submitting to God. Now, if I went to my wife tomorrow and I said, we're done following the Lord. We're not going back to church anymore. Shut your Bibles. Don't read in front of me. Don't do this. Don't do that. She would have an obligation to say, honey, I love you. I'd do anything for you. I'd, I'd, I've, I've practically proven that by having four of your children and, and bringing two more in. Uh, but, but I'm not doing that because you're going against God's authority. Amen. Acts chapter 5. So you realize all authority is given from God. And God sets up authority structure a certain way. So this is about preaching in a church setting and ministering the word to mixed company. You'll learn that God has no problem, and you'll see the pattern throughout Scripture. He tells the older women to teach the younger women. And the, the women are involved in teaching the children. But there's something about when you get into this thing that God goes, nope, I want a man to do that. And uh, you can argue with God about when you get to heaven, okay? Uh, I, there's things I'm going to argue with the Lord about as well. At least that's what I'm like Job. I'm going to tell him, uh, yeah, when you get there, you're going to just like this. Uh, but, but, but look, if you would, at verse number 34, for it is not permitted unto them to speak. The context is ministering the word, and in this chapter, it was through tongues, all right? And when they got up to speak tongues, it wasn't a mystical language that they spoke unto themselves. It was for the purpose of edifying the hearers, all right? Now, look what it says here. 
uh, at the end of verse 34, but they are commanded to be under obedience as also saith the... You know what Jesus is complying with when he says, go call thy husband? The law. He didn't come to break it. He came to fulfill it. And so there's a strong precedent set in the Old Testament that there's an authority structure, and that's why uh, if you go to the Middle East and certain Middle Eastern cultures, it's kind of an awkward thing for a man just to approach a woman. Matter of fact, you're going to learn this later when the disciples show up. They're kind of looking at Jesus like, okay, what's going on here? Uh, but he did the right thing. He said, go call thy husband, which sparked the entire conversation that unfolds about her having five husbands. Look at Genesis chapter 2. Uh, so the question is, what constitutes a marriage? And uh, that's an age-old question. Is it when you stand before you know, the, the preacher? Is it when you, you know, sign the certificate? Is it, uh, well, let, let, me, let me give you uh, a couple things you see throughout Scripture. Uh, you'll see that uh, uh, people are espoused to be married. And at that moment in time, once they are espoused, that'd be our word for engaged. Uh, once they're there, there's this a sense of commitment unto one another, all right, that is not there prior to that. All right? However, what is it exactly that, that constitutes a marriage? Now, in the simplest definition, I'm talking about before the, the, the civil government and the structure that we have in the world today. The simplest definition is this. Look at Genesis chapter 2. And look, if you would, at verse 23. And Adam said, This is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh, and she should be called woman, because she was taken out of man, out of the womb, out of the side of man. That's why it's woman, right? W-O-M-B, womb, uh, versus what you got there. Uh, Look at verse 24. Therefore shall a man leave his father and his mother, and shall cleave unto his wife. Uh, It's a really bad idea uh, when you get married to live in the same houses with your parents. It's just, it's really challenging. Um, and I think the Lord sets a precedent there for a reason. Uh, and look what it says here. And they shall be what? One flesh. Look at Genesis chapter 24. Genesis chapter 24. You know what marriage is in the rawest definition? I'm not talking about necessarily considering certain aspects of civil government today as God has allowed that. Uh, but in the rawest definition, it's flesh joining with flesh. And so when two people come before the Lord and say, this is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh, and, and we are committed one to another, uh, and, and, and again, of course, we've got civil government, we've got the ceremonial aspect today and all of that. Uh, whenever they do that, the, the idea is this, the way that marriage is going to be consummated is by flesh joining flesh. We've got mixed company, we've got young people, you guys understand what I'm talking about. Look at uh, Genesis 24 to get another angle on this. Uh, Genesis chapter, now you say, why is this important? Well, the reason why I'm going through this right now is because I'm going to explain what fornication is in a moment. And you have to first understand what a marriage is in God's eyes before you can understand why fornication is what it is in the Bible. Uh, Look at Genesis chapter 24, and look, if you would, at verse number 67. Um, And Isaac brought her, this is Rebekah, his wife, never met her before in his life. Uh, I would strongly, strongly encourage our young people to be real careful with Tinder. And all those dating apps, I can tell you, especially you young ladies, I cannot tell you the amount of times that a young lady gets kidnapped or uh, God knows what happens to her because she's messing around with something and she thinks it's innocent. Uh, and a filthy, uh, uh, un- unsaved, reprobate, lost man does not think like a church girl. So young ladies, be real careful with that. Um, but uh, all that said, you, you'd be better off kind of sitting back and, and trusting the Lord. And it's real easy to, to kind of get ahead of God on those things. I understand that. Uh, any more? Look, if, if, if you are, you know, 21, 22, 23, 24, 25, uh, in Christian circles, it's like, why aren't you married? You know why? Maybe because God hasn't brought the right person along. And that's okay. You don't have to be married once you're 21. You understand that. All right? Um, but I'll say this. Once you get this, I'll say it like this. The most important decision in your life is getting saved. The next biggest decision in your life is who you marry. And your, your idea of what a marriage is, is quintessential going into it. Marriage is not there just for your fulfillment. Uh, marriage is a ministry, and the example that you have is Jesus Christ laying down his life, and in return, the church submits herself unto him. Now, that's not easy. You know what that is? That's me looking out for her and her looking out for me. You know what that is? That's the opposite mentality of marriages today. I just don't feel fulfilled anymore. Well, maybe because you keep talking to people you shouldn't talk to on Facebook. You know, I just don't, I, you know, where's the romance anymore? I, I mean, well, I don't know, but I'll tell you this much. Uh, you simply complaining about what is lost instead of actually working, and it's not going to make it any better. 
Uh, and the idea is marriage is here for me. And marriage is not just there for you. Marriage is meant for you to find a channel to, 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 to prove what is God's love on this earth between a man and a woman. Sacrifice for God so loved the world that he gave. All right. Christ also uh, loved the church so much that he gave his life for, right? Uh, Genesis 24, look at verse uh, 67. And Isaac brought her, Rebekah, never met her before in his life, into his mother Sarah's tent and took Rebekah, and she became his wife. Where, where's the certificate? Where's the ceremony? Where's the... None of it. Now, even by the time you get into Jesus's time, they've got ceremonial things going on in that day that they did not have in Isaac's day. All right, so I'm not taking away from a ceremony, and I think that's the right way to do it in today's society, is you stand before God, your church family, before your family, and you say, you know what, we are entering this thing with the right mindset. I know going into this, I'll be committed to him, she'll, uh, she, uh, uh, and she'll be committed to me, and so on, so whatever that, her, if I didn't get the pronouns right, you guys understand, right? <laughs> Man and woman, we got that, right? That's, that's a marriage, right? And so we're going to be committed one to another, and therefore, we have kept ourselves pure. We've kept our hands to ourselves, which is really hard, I understand. And when you're in your teenage years, in your 20s, and whatever else, you think you're going to explode if you don't do more. You don't have to do more. You'll have the rest of your life to do that if you do it the right way. All right, look at Genesis 24, verse 67. You say, what is it? What, what is the marriage? She became his wife when they joined flesh with flesh. Now, when that happens, you know what God says? Okay, that means you're committed to that person. The problem with fornication is they want the benefit without the commitment. Yeah. Right? Uh, look, if you would, at, uh, oh, let's see here. Go to uh, James chapter 3. James 3. James chapter 3. And by the way, uh, Jesus Christ is hitting on this subject with that woman because there can be no... Uh, uh, repentance. There can be no change without acknowledging the truth. I'm going to show you a verse here in just a moment about that. Uh, but look at James chapter 3. Look at verse 16. For where envying and strife is, there is what? And every evil work. So do you know what fornication is? It's confusion. If you read through Leviticus, you know what he talks about over and over and over? Perversion, oftentimes he relates to it as confusion. That's why if you're not married, I'm going to keep saying it over and over and over. I don't care if people get tired of hearing it. If you're married, been married for 40 years, like preacher, I'm married, I don't need to hear this. I'm going to keep saying it again. You should not think of another person in a lustful way that's not your spouse. And you should not touch another person in a lustful way that is not your spouse. All right. Uh, I, 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 I cannot tell you how many issues in society would be avoided if people got back to the Bible. All right, so, so look at this. Without truth, there can be no conversion, and there can be no repentance. We'll talk about what that is in just a moment. Uh, but when it comes to fornication, you know what it is? It's out of bounds. And you know what it causes? Confusion. Do you notice that it mentions envy in that verse? Look at it again. You know what fornication is based off of? Why don't I have that? Well, God says you don't need it. You're not married. Or you're not married to that person. Therefore, you don't need that. Yeah, but I want it. You see, what is it? Envy. I deserve to be happy. You ever tell yourself that and find yourself in a mess? I deserve to be happy. And you sit down and buy a car you can't afford, and you walk out, and you're like, what did I just do? $800 a month, you know, that kind of... Some of you right now are thinking to yourself, yep, that's me. Uh, been there, done that, paid the stupid tax, right? So, so when it comes to, to fornication, you know what it's really based off of? It's based off of you saying you deserve to have something that God didn't give you. It's no different than Lucifer saying, I want that throne. Well, God didn't give it to you. Um, and, and I was talking to someone just the other day. I said, young man, I said, you need to understand the, the best leaders in the world are those that learn to follow first. And the worst dictators, study history. You know what you learn about Hitler? He could never get in line. And when he got to that position, he was an absolute tyrant. The worst dictators are people that can't follow uh, and so, you know what you have to learn to do? Tell your flesh to follow God instead of following itself. You say, why? Because if you're not careful, you'll be confused. And then you'll walk away. You know, I mean, Christian marriages, I'm just so confused right now. Because you started thinking about junk. That's why you're confused. Uh, you, you put stuff in your head that didn't belong there and stuff in your heart that didn't belong there. And maybe, maybe if, if, God forbid, you went so far as to act on it, you committed acts that, that, that God said you, these are not to be a part of your life, and therefore you're like, I don't know what's going on. Sin has a way of confusing you, yeah. right? And, and so the confusion in every evil word. Look at 2 Timothy chapter 2. 
2 Timothy chapter 2. If, 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 if you're going to uh, have a shot at changing your life, do you know where it starts? It starts in your mind. And I'll, I'll tell you how it starts. It starts with you acknowledging the truth. Uh, 2 Timothy chapter 2, look if you would at verse number uh, 5. Is that the right verse? That doesn't look like the right verse. No, 25, 25, there you go. Uh, in meekness, instructing those that oppose themselves. Uh, one of the things I've learned about ministry is that when I'm ministering to people and they're not listening, uh, I used to take it personal. I used to go, why don't they listen? And what I started to realize is, man, poor people. They're so conflicted. They can't make the right decision. They can't tell what's left. They can't tell what's right. They're so messed up that they're literally fighting themselves. And sometimes the greatest thing I can do is pray. Pray for what? Look if you would at verse 25. If God peradventure, that means maybe, will give them what? To what? No, that's it. You can't have a conversion. That's why when Jesus Christ is, is talking to this woman, now, don't, don't misunderstand me. That does not mean that when Joe goes to witness to the girl at Starbucks, he's like, yeah, you doing drugs? <laughs> yeah, sure. Meth? Oh, okay, all right. You know, like, I don't think that's what, it's not our job to dig... He was God manifest in the flesh. He held a different office. He was a prophet. However, the principle in practice is this. You can't lead someone to Christ if they first don't understand they are a sinner. If, you don't, if, you're, if you're not a sinner, you don't need a savior. And so there has to be an acknowledging of the truth in order to get past that. And so the Lord is dealing with her about the fact that this woman is living in fornication. Look, if you would, at Romans chapter 1. Let me just say this right now. All sin is sin. But not all sin carries the same consequence. Come on now. Let's be honest about it. When, the kid, when you tell your five-year-old kid that just got saved last week, don't eat the cookies, I'm going to come back. Or, or pick up your room. I'm going to come back in 30 minutes. I'm going to check. And they don't have it picked up. Is that a sin? All right. Is that going to have the same repercussion as someone smoking crack and shooting up a mall? No, of course not. You say, why? Because not all sin has the same consequence. Understand this. All sin is sin, but certain sins stand out to God and have different repercussions. Now, this has nothing to do with damnation in regards to your soul. This has to do with damnation in regards to your body. You say, Pastor, why are you using that word? It's a Bible word. Go to first, I'm going to come back to this, but go to 1 Corinthians chapter 11. Let me show you something real quick. 1 Corinthians chapter 11. In case you, are, you want to understand why I'm talking about the damnation of your body, 1 Corinthians chapter 11, uh, look if you would at verse number 28, but let a man examine himself, this is the Lord's Supper, and so let him eat of that bread and drink of that cup. For he that eateth and drinketh unworthily, unworthily eateth and drinketh what? Let me ask you something, what part of you eats and drinks? Your body, not your soul, your, it's your flesh. Look at Romans chapter number 8. Romans chapter 8. Romans, God bless you. Romans chapter 8. Romans 8, look if you would, at uh, verse 1. There is therefore now no what? You know what the word condemnation comes from? Damnation. That's why at the, uh, you have condemn and damnation put together. That's what that is. It's, a, it's someone that's condemned, someone that has damned themselves to a certain thing. Now, I'm not using that word like a cuss word. You understand that? These are Bible words. Sometimes you read about Balaam's ass in the Old Testament. You go, and look, you know, someone's giggling. Some 20-year-old's giggling in the back like they don't never. It's because they've never read Elizabeth in English. That's a donkey, okay? All right, we're not using swear words. We're just giving Bible uh, literature and Bible definitions for these things. Uh, but look at what it says. Therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus. Question, is, that, is there a period after that? Now, there's no condemnation for your soul once you're saved. But notice the rest of the verse. There's absolutely condemnation in the flesh. When you walk after it, you reap the consequences of the flesh. And so when it comes to this subject, and, and uh, when it comes to fornication, yes, all sin is sin. But look at uh, 1 Corinthians chapter number 6. I told you Romans 1. We'll get there in a moment. 1 Corinthians chapter 6. 1 Corinthians chapter 6. And look, if you would, at verse uh, 15, verse 15. Know ye not that your bodies are the members of Christ? You don't say, I'll, I'll wear it because I want to. Well, did you ever ask the Lord what he thinks about it? 
uh, I don't look. You're on a church that preaches that if you fix the outside, you're going to make yourself spiritual. It doesn't work that way. I don't believe that's biblical. However, I'm also going to tell you that the closer you walk with the Lord, you ought to examine things. Why do I want to look like that? Why do I? I don't want to see young girls in our church with belly shirts on. Cover up. Mom's teaching to cover up. They need that. Thank you for the one amen I got. You know what I'm tired of? I'm tired of when I hit on subject. Everyone's, oh, oh, he's a legalist. Oh, he's going to take us back into the law. Calm yourself. Do thyself no harm. We are all here. All right? But you know why it gets so awkward? Because you're in a day and age where you're like, okay, I hope he doesn't talk about what I'm wearing. Oh, what's he going to say? That's between you and God. I'm just going to say this. Your body's not yours. And I recognize, ladies, I recognize when it comes to this subject, it's probably more of an issue for the ladies in respect to the fact that, you know, a a 60-year-old out-of-shape guy wearing short shorts, all he's doing is blinding you with hairy legs. (laughs) All right? But when you do it, it's a little bit different. It just is. All right? Uh, Let's just be honest about this right now, okay? Uh, You ever watch, ever seen a lady that's with a guy that's overweight, you know, balding, uh, uh, maybe, you know, just past his prime a little bit. Uh, uh, maybe, uh, maybe you might say he's done pretty well for himself in his career. And then, you know, you wouldn't look at him and go, that's a super attractive guy. And then right on his arm, he's got this bombshell that's like 20 years younger. Now you may go, yeah, gross, right? But, but besides that, can I, can I say this? Besides the money, okay, let's take the money out. Let's say he's not a rich man. I've seen it before where there's a guy that maybe you would look at and go, I don't know, doesn't look like the varsity of the football team or doesn't look like, you know, he's just, you know, uh, uh, Juan, uh, Don Juan DeMarc, uh, DeMarc or, or, or what's the other, Fabio, you know, Fabio with his, some United ladies you know what I'm talking about, you know, the flowing hair, you know, and his bare chest and all that stuff. And, you know, he's not that guy. He's not uh, Chris Pine. He's not, who's the Aquaman? Oh, yeah. Oh, oh, yeah, that guy, that guy, yeah. Aquaman, long hair, you know, and this kind of stuff. First off, that guy's going to get old and everything that's up here is going to fall down here. But in the meantime, he's enjoying it. But, but, but let's say you see a guy that's not very attractive, and then you see a woman that's very attractive. You go, I don't get it. Here's why. He falls in love with what he looks at. She falls in love with what she hears. We are different. We just are. Uh, that's why you look at a, a young, pure a Christian young lady that goes to church her whole life. Parents try to teach her right, do right. Uh, finds a guy that tells her everything she wants to hear, and her life becomes ruined. Why? Because you fall in love, ladies, with what you hear. If you don't believe that, go back. This is not me. This is not my opinion. This is Bible. Genesis chapter 3. Adam was not deceived in the transgression. The woman was. Right? And so what I'm getting at is this. You may feel that there's a double standard when it comes to modesty. And I'm not saying men should be immodest at all. There, modesty is modesty. But let me just say this much. When it comes to that, you understand, ladies, your body's not your own. Gentlemen, when it comes to your eyes. See, ladies were real upset with me just there a moment. Now you're like, yeah, you get them, preacher. Get them. Get those men. <laughs> yeah, boy, I know what's going on. You, you, everyone's, everyone's taking, how many times you mentioned men? How many times, who's got the tally so far? Anybody know? All right. So, so, gentlemen, you know what your eyes do? They start wandering. Your eyes aren't yours. You know what God could do? He could just go like that. Wake up blind. Some of us deserve it. You get to open that book and read those words. That's a privilege. You know, Brother Chris has to do? He's got to feel it. Now, he didn't do anything wrong or sinful to get his blindness. I'm not saying that. John chapter 9, the man that was born blind, he did nothing wrong, neither him nor his parents. You know the passage. What I'm trying to get at is this, gentlemen, God could tomorrow just go like that. You know what some people do? Oh, that person's been married more than once. Oh, oh yeah. And some of you gentlemen have been married more than once in one day. If a man looks at a woman to lust after in his heart, he's already committed. Don't get on a high horse just because your marriage physically didn't bust up. Some of you gentlemen have a problem with your eyes, and you need to tell yourself these aren't mine. These are God's. Is it, am I making it awkward and uncomfortable enough this morning? Because that's, I woke up, I, I literally woke up and said, how can I make it awkward and uncomfortable? That's not what I woke up to do. I, I want to be a blessing to you, but you know what you need to do sometimes is rip off the band-aid and deal with the issues. 
And, and, and here's the problem. Gentlemen, you do not have the right to say, well, she wasn't dressed that way. I, I'm, I'm going to tell you right now, I've watched a woman dress very modestly, and around ungodly, unspiritual, carnal men, a man will literally undress her in his mind right before you, and you can just, just do that kind of number. And you say, what is that? Now, I know some of you are like, oh, I can't believe you're mentioning this. It's church. It's weird. We're dealing with the issues that are not just in society, but in the church. Women don't want to deal with modesty, and men don't want to deal with their eyes. You know what the problem is? We both need to sit back and go, this isn't mine, it's God's. And when you start thinking that way, you look at your money differently, you look at your time differently, you look at your body differently. You know what fornication is? You know what adultery is? The definition of adultery is the joining of two things that do not belong together. And so it is someone taking upon themselves to take the position of God saying, I want that, I deserve that, I'm taking that. And God says, that's not yours. Why does he tell her, hey, you've had five husbands and the one you're with now isn't your husband. You know why? Because he was actually married to somebody else. You say, what is that? Well, I'll tell you what it is. You've got churches, I've literally, I've literally had people tell me, preacher, if you talk about this, People that are college and career in the world coming to church will never come back. If that's why you're here, to be flattered and to be cuddled and, caught and coddled and told you're, you're amazing and there's nothing wrong with you, if you went to the doctor and the doctor did that with you, Miss Cindy, aren't you glad to have a doctor that tells you, here's where things are at with your cancer, here's what you got to do to improve it? I'm thankful that she'd not go to the doctor and go, ah, oh, you're good. You ought to come to church with the mindset, Lord, what do I need to change in order to get closer to you? And, and you know what it starts with? It starts with the mind, this idea. Look, I'm very well aware. I've, I've been in churches I, where, where everything's about the external, you know, and a, a young man comes in with the wrong haircut, like, young man, change your hair. That's stupid. Give people time to grow. We understand that. At the same time, that, I, I feel like Christians live in reactionary mode. Okay, so because some people don't value the local church at all, I'm going to go this extreme to say that everything is about the church. No, there are jurisdictions. There is jurisdiction of family. There's jurisdiction of civil government. And there's jurisdiction of the church. But what some people do, I'll never forget years ago, there was a church called uh, Indianapolis Baptist Temple, no longer there, back in the 90s. You know what they refused to do? They refused people that worked in the church refused to pay taxes on their income. IRS came out. You can argue about how ungodly the IRS is and all that kind of stuff. But you know what they did? They said the church is, oh, no, the church does not supersede in that area of civil government. That's out of the jurisdiction. What some people do is they, they get reactionary. So here's what people do. I don't want to be a legalist, so I'm just going to throw everything out the window and nothing matters. Uh, where, where's that in the Bible? Uh, look, if you would, at Romans chapter. Well, no, we're not done yet. Look, let's keep reading. Um, Look at uh, verse number 16. What? Know ye not that he which is joined to an harlot is one body? For two, saith he, shall be one flesh. You see, when you, get, when you put things together that don't belong, you're still one. There's a unity there, that, but God didn't ordain it. That's the problem. Uh, look at verse uh, number 18. Flee what? Now, you're about to read something that I don't think the modern church gets. This is why in a lot of churches, you're not going to have this. You know, I had someone tell me, but Pastor, you don't understand. People just move in together. That's like the new thing. I don't care. It doesn't change what the Bible... So you're telling me like, okay, so now I, I got... It's almost like these are untouchables because people decided that they no longer believe what God said. I'm sorry, you don't believe what God said. That's fine. You can make your own choices. But as a pastor of this church, I feel responsible to tell you it's still wrong. It's still wrong. Uh, look at uh, verse number 18. Every sin that a man doeth is without the body. What's the next word? You know what he's trying to tell you? This one's different. Read it. Read it. Now, I don't, I don't mean to conjure up bad memories for any of you that have lived in sin before you got saved or got right with God or anything like that. But you know those things stick to you a whole lot more than other things do. Those memories. And, 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 and those places in your mind. You know why God said the greatest thing you can do as a young person is get saved, uh, surrender your life, stay right with God, stay pure, and, and get married under God's authority. One of the greatest things you could ever do in your life. Parents, if you can get through that and get at least a, a couple of your kids through that way, that's a blessing. Amen? Uh, but, but notice what it says here in verse number 19. What? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost? 
which is in you, which you have of God, and ye are what? You're not your own. Uh, If you don't believe that there's something about this particular sin that God looks at different, look at Romans chapter 1. Look at Romans 1. Romans chapter 1. Say, preacher, why are you addressing this? Because this woman's living a certain way. And uh, you know what? uh, You know what I think? I think if... And I don't I don't believe I, I don't believe if you're going out to preach the gospel, you have any business uh, pointing out how people are dressed or any of that garbage. That's not their need. That's not their issue. Their issue is they need to be born again. Amen. Amen. But once you do get saved, are you hearing me? Amen. Once you do get saved, th- there should be a different perspective, a, a change of mind, if you will, in regards to how you look at life in general and your life, because you're not your own. You've been bought. And I, I was uh, one time someone said, it kind of feels like a gotcha. Like you said it was free. And then now I'm like, you know, I'm supposed to follow the Lord. You don't have to follow the Lord if you don't want to. It's a free gift. But if you want to follow him, here's the price. The price is you got to learn to tell your flesh no. Uh, look at Romans 1. Look at verse number uh, 27. Now, this particular passage is talking about homosexuality and, and uh, that kind of perversion. Uh, however, however, uh, do you know that uh, if you look at history, do you, do you understand what, what's, what you're seeing today in America is what other civilizations experienced before they fell? Right. Including including the, the mass widespread issue of transmitted diseases. You guys understand what I'm saying? All right, look if you would at verse number uh, 27. And likewise also the men, leaving the natural use of the woman, burn their lusts one toward another, men with men working that which is what? You realize that 1 Corinthians chapter 13 talks about charity. The big slogan right now in Pride Month is love is love. I was at the store the other day, and I was with my daughter, Emma. She's pure, little, innocent mind. And she said, that's a nice shirt. I said, yeah, let me tell you what they're trying to say about, though. Uh, she goes, oh, that's not what I thought that meant. I'm like, yeah, kids wouldn't because you're innocent. Um, but, but, but let me say this. Uh, charity doth not behave itself unseemly. You know what the word unseemly is? Inappropriately. So when a, a man says, oh, I love you, and he's not committed himself to you, ladies, there's no ring on the finger, and he's putting his hands all over you, he doesn't love you. He loves himself. He wants to fulfill something for him, not for you. Uh, look, at, look at verse 27 here. And receiving in themselves that, I, I, I just, let me say this too. I know some of you are way past this point in your life where this is a big deal. But, but, but just keep in mind, not everyone's where you're at. Okay? Look what it says here in verse number 27. And receiving in themselves that recompense of their error which was meet. You know what I was talking about? Diseases. You're going to tell me that this sin is, is just like everything else? It's just, there's no different. No, there's. Sin is sin, but not all sin brings the same consequences. And you need to understand, look at 1 Corinthians chapter 5. 1 Corinthians chapter 5. Talk about awkward. Can you imagine? Okay, now you don't think about this stuff. When uh, the prison epistles are written, or when uh, Paul writes his epistles, whether they're prison epistles or not, and he writes these letters to the churches, do you realize how, what, what the purpose was? The purpose was that someone in the church would receive that letter, and then they'd get up and they'd read that letter to the church. Does this make sense? Can you imagine being the guy that gets the letter from 1 Corinthians? And like, it's just like, uh, oh, huh. so I don't know. Uh, can I skip this chapter? You know, uh, look, look at chapter five. It is reported commonly that there is fornication among you. And such fornication is not so much as named among the Gentiles that one should have his father's wife. And ye are puffed up and have not rather mourned that he that hath done this deed might be taken away from among you. For I verily, as absent in body, but present in spirit, have judged already. (gasps) Paul, didn't you know you shouldn't judge? I I don't even know how God inspired him to write that. He must have been wrong there. I mean, judge not. You guys know that. You guys know better than that. That, But that's the mantra. Judge not, lest you be not judged. You're supposed to judge spiritually and righteously. Uh, Look what it says here. Uh, He says he judged it, even though he wasn't. Uh, physically there, as though I were present concerning him that has so done this deed. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, when you're gathered together, and my spirit with the power of our Lord Jesus Christ, look at verse 5. Boy, that's not how you grow a church in 2023, is it? Is it Bible? 
Now get a hold of something. You might miss it. You might think this is all about condemning somebody. Let me explain the problem. The problem was that this man, who was a believer, and by the way, you can go, oh, I, don't, I don't think he was really saved. Okay, you, since you're so spiritual, you can judge who's saved and who's not. Just, just know that Paul, under inspiration of the Holy Spirit, says if any man is called a brother. In other words, they name the name of Jesus Christ. You have to treat him that way. What you have to understand is this. This man was living in that situation. It wasn't like he came and said, guys, I'm sorry, I messed up. He was just doing what he was doing. And the church was like, yeah, come on in, no big deal. And everyone in the community knows it. What do you think that does to the testimony of Jesus Christ? And, and so Paul, having some, some, some elderly wisdom, says this is what you need to do. You say, why? Because he hasn't changed his mind yet. Repentance is not just stopping every bad thing you've ever done. It's this changing first. Matter of fact, the first times the word repented shows up in your Bible, do you know it's not man repenting, it's God. If you define repentance as turning from sin, you just made God a sinner. You know what repentance is? It's, turning, it's changing your mind from something. You're, you're going you're to look at things a little bit differently. All right, in Genesis 6, it repented the Lord, he made man. Exodus 32, Moses falls on his face and says, God, don't do it. The nations will talk about you like you're not strong enough to bring them out. These people, the nations around here, they know that you're the God that brought them out of Egypt. Don't destroy them. It'll be more of a problem for your name. And you know what God does? Okay, you're right, Moses. Now, that's a prayer warrior right there. If you can get through to God and get God to change his mind on something, that's pretty cool. But, but the, the idea is this. That man has not changed his mind. He's just like, what's the big deal? So if you think it's because, oh, we just hate this guy, if you ever read 2 Corinthians, you know what happens? The guy comes back and says, guys, I messed up. You know why that guy does that, though? Because the church did their part. And they did what Paul instructed them to do in 1 Corinthians chapter 5, and it gave that man time outside the church realizing that, man, I, I, have, I have cut myself off from my spiritual supply. It wasn't the church that turned on me. I turned on the church. On the name of Jesus Christ. And that man comes back. Hear me out. And in 2 Corinthians, because Paul, the, the church was over here. Whatever goes, say, say, da, say, da. Whatever will be, will be. So it doesn't matter. You're doing whatever you want to do and then still come to church. No big deal. And then they went over here. We know what you did. <laughs> I know what you did last summer. You know, we know what you did. Right? And, and, and so this guy's like, yeah, but I'm, I want to make it right. Like, we don't want you here. And Paul had to say, hey, guys, you went too far. In 2 Corinthians chapter number 2, you went too far, guys. The guys repented, let him in. It wasn't about hurting the man. It was about getting the guy to change his mind and come back to the Lord. Is this making sense? You don't, you don't, but you don't play around with this stuff. This stuff in the Bible is, is referred to as playing with fire. The Bible says, can a man take fire in his bosom and his clothes not be burned? Can a man walk upon hot coals and his feet not be burned? So is any man that goeth into his neighbor's wife. Adultery, fornication. You are literally playing with fire when you mess around with that. And I don't care if it's the physical act or if it's right up here. You better learn to get it cleaned up. Get it fessed up, right? Get it, get it fessed up so you don't stay messed up. That's the idea. Because if you don't, you're going to find yourself in a real, real bad situation. All right? The idea is this. All sin is sin, but man, what this lady was dealing with was a mess. And the Lord called her out on it because he's trying to show her, hey, I know what's going on in your life. I can help you. Uh, look, if you would, at Galatians chapter number 5. Galatians 5. I know we're running a little bit late. Galatians 5. Galatians 5. Say, preacher, why did you go on this long rant about the subject? Because it's something that Paul mentions over and over and over and over and, and if you automatically had victory over it the moment you got saved, he wouldn't have mentioned it. Uh, Galatians chapter 5, uh, look if you would at verse number 19. Now the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these, adultery. And then if you're not married, you go, whoo, got off, I got off on that one. And he goes, well, well, comma, fornication, right? And he goes, you say, what is it? It's a work of the flesh. You can't let the flesh run you. Uh, look if you would at Ephesians chapter number 5. You know the most dangerous thing in the world is to hear this stuff and hear this stuff and hear this stuff and harden your heart to the place where you got stuff going on in your heart and mind to where you go, eh, I've heard it before. You're getting ready for a train wreck. You better watch out. Look at Ephesians chapter number 5. Ephesians 5, look if you would at verse number uh, 3. But fornication 
and all uncleanness or covetousness, let it not be named once named among you as becometh saints. Why does he say this to save people? You know why? Because even after you're saved, your flesh ain't. Look at Colossians chapter 3. Colossians 3. And uh, if I could, just one more time, parents, let me just say this. Whatever we do in moderation, the next generation is going to do in excess. Whatever we call, t- we're tolerant to as far as entertainment and things. Look, I'll put it to you this way. If, if I came into your house, I mean, you invite me and my wife over for dinner, and we'd have a nice dinner, and all of a sudden, excuse me, and we go and make out on your couch, would you guys be a little awkward, a little uh, 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 un- uncomfortable? But Okay, all right. But you'll turn on a movie where people are... Oh, no, they just insinuated it. Can I insinuate it at your house? You know, Pete, you're a little rude today, preacher. I'm trying to get you to understand... How society, Christians have gone so far and don't think anything of it. We, we take a, such a soft approach to sin. It, everything's just no big deal. Guys, let me explain this to you right now. When, when people are hardened by sin, the Lord beats on that sin. When people are soft, the Lord goes, don't, don't keep beating yourself up. Come over here. Let's get restoration. You know why? Once there's a yielding and a change of mind and heart, the, the Lord goes, this is all I want. I, I, I want all the come repentance. Let's go. Let's get this right. Let's move on in your life. But until you get to that point, the Lord's going to beat on it and beat on it and beat on it. And our society is so jaded when it comes to this stuff. Let me tell you guys, this stuff started back in the 70s with sexual education, uh, and that was the Trojan horse. And now if you've got to allow the straight stuff, you've got to allow everything else. Kids are learning about garbage at a K-5 level. And, and, and then, you know, parents are doing the best they can. You bring them to church a couple times a week. You go, man, why is my kid struggling with this? It is everywhere. <laughs> and I'm going to tell you right now, if we don't take a hard stance on it, we're not doing them any favors. But, but the point is this. The Lord dealt with this woman where she was at, and he exposed something to her. I'm not saying we have the ability or should do that. But all we should do is go, look, you're a sinner. You're in need of Jesus Christ. Uh, when I'm talking to someone and they go, I don't think I'm a sinner. I go, you ever lied? You ever stole anything? You ever thought something in your heart you shouldn't have thought? You ever done that? And I just exposed in the word of God. That, that's about as far as I'm going to go. I am not that prophet, Jesus Christ. I can't look at someone and go, this is going on in your life and this is going on in your life. I can't do that. Uh, and I don't need to do that. But I'll say this much. I'll say this much. The Lord put this stuff in here for a reason. And Jesus Christ, go back to John chapter 4, he dealt with this stuff because if he hadn't dealt with it and exposed this in her life and shown her where she was at, you would not have had an entire city come out to meet Jesus Christ. Uh, Look at verse 39, and we'll stop here. Many of the Samaritans of that city believed on him for the saying of the woman which testified, he told me all that ever I did. Do you know what can happen as a result of someone getting right with God? Other people can get right with God. So my prayer is that we stay there and that we don't take a soft approach to sin. Father, we thank you so much for the opportunity to gather around your word. Uh, Lord, I know we went a little bit over. I just pray you'd help us, Lord, as we walk out of here with a little bit more resolve, Lord, about how we view sin in our lives. Uh, Lord, it's one thing to say how we view it in society. It's another thing to say how we view it in our homes, in our minds and hearts. Lord, uh, I know you're not looking for people to take a strong bold uh, stand uh, necessarily lord against uh, sinners in this world as much as you are sin in their own life first god would you help us to start there Lord, we love you thank you lord for this story in the bible thank you that lord uh, people were ministered to because of a conversation you had one-on-one with a sinner lord i'm thankful you're still doing that today Lord, we love you we ask all this in jesus name Amen. amen amen we'll take a break there brother eric we'll start at about